Father, as we now turn our attention to your word, we thank you, God, that your word is life-giving, that is powerful, that it is mighty. And Lord, today we pray that you would use this word to speak to the hearts and the minds of your children. And Father, to encourage us at heart. Lord, we thank you for who you are and what we have in you. And Lord, help us to focus in now on what you're going to say through your word. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. And amen. You may be seated, church. Um, the title of our sermon this morning is We Have Hope. We're in a mini-series. Started it last week. We're going to finish it next week. And it's the We Have series. We Have Last week, we looked at the fact that we have a great high priest. And this morning, we're going to look at the fact that we have a hope. Jesus, the anchor of our soul. Jesus, the anchor of our soul. Can we read together God's precious word? We're going to read um, Hebrews chapter 6. And we're going to read just three verses, verses 17 um, to 20. And it says this, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible to God, for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor of the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered in on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now you'll need to show me a wee bit of grace this morning, church, and bear with me. I was sitting yesterday afternoon about five o'clock and I had been reading over the notes that I'd done previously and looking over them and thinking about it and I had such an uneasiness. I just felt it wasn't hitting where God wanted us to go today. So we came last night, got ready and come up. We had the party last night and I excused myself at the end and got away down the road and got on my knees again and started to think through things again. And I was up this morning at six o'clock getting this and putting it together. So you'll excuse today if the delivery is not that great, but I hope and pray that now what I've written is what um, really may help somebody today as we come. But you know, there really is... I think, and we think about this scripture this morning, that we have a hope in Jesus as our high priest, the anchor of our soul. This is a real time when we need hope renewed within us as believers. I woke on Tuesday morning after that vote. And friends, I woke up, and I'm sure like many of you today, with such a heaviness in your heart that we would have the laws now in this wee province of ours, in this nation, especially not relating to the abortion law. And to think that Westminster has passed a law in our country that is more liberal than even the law that they have for their own people across the water. And how the possibility of life that God created and he gave 
that in our country it would be maybe because someone wants a boy instead of a girl, that that life could be brought to nothing. A life that God's word tells us is fearfully and wonderfully made. The right to life would be denied. And friends, I don't know about you, but I just find that incredibly heartbreaking. I think we're living really in uncertain and crazy days, aren't we? You know, we, we talked about this yesterday morning as we met to pray, you know, and I know we're all sick of hearing that word Brexit. But we don't know if we're coming or we're going. We don't know what's going to happen. There's people fearful for food shortages, for medicine shortages, all of those things. And then now they're saying that, you know, back here again in Northern Ireland, that, you know, there could be trouble again on our streets. John shared with us yesterday morning as he led us to prayer an article, cut it out of the paper, where... You know, obviously this law has been passed in our country and apparently we've got freedom of speech. And yet a, a Christian teacher in what a school up the country put a poster on the CU board, the, the darkest day. And because so many people complained and then it got onto social media, got into the news. And the teacher, I think, was reprimanded and there was a whole big thing about it. And it seems to be, when did we lose that? The people don't have that same standard of heart and desire for life. And then on the other side of it, some of you might have seen a clip too. You've that out here, and, and we saw a clip during the week somebody had posted off a, a father in South Africa who went to his Christian school, a Christian school um, with Christian values and um, he went with great heaviness in his heart because it was his children's like final service, graduation service. And as they were there glorifying God for the years their children had been in that school, they noticed some artwork that was displayed in the school. And the artwork was where I, I, one of their students had taken some of the well-known well pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ that have been painted down the years, such as one of them on the cross and, and the, the 12 meeting in the upper room. And, and they were depicting the Lord Jesus Christ as a clown. They also made models of, and I know the Bible doesn't say the devil has horns and, and that, but there was devilish looking models in the room as well. And at the foot of these models, they had taken God's written word and they tore it up and they were scattered all around these images of the devil. And you could feel the pain of this Christian father whose children had gone to the school for years and years and hear decency. But I tell you this, church, see if they'd ripped up the Quran. They wouldn't allow that piece of artwork to be shown. But once again, the Christian church, we're a target. We're the most persecuted faith in our world today. I believe we're living in dark days. It seems to be what's right is now wrong and what's wrong is right. I think that's why this morning, friends, we need to be reminded of this hope that we've got Jesus. Jesus, our hope. 
And as much as Tuesday did bring a black day into our nation, and believe me, there will be consequences to this. If not today, there will be consequences on the judgment day. But see, in the darkness, we've still got our light. We might be living in even darker days that we've ever known in this province to be a born-again believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. But know that we have, we've still got the light. We've still got our Jesus. And you know something? It's time for us as church to arise and to let people know, even in the midst of the star, that there's a better way. That there's one who's able to navigate us and help us through these dark days. And even when people choose to go into that darkness, friends, that we can remind them that there is a God who brings life, healing, a better way. That he's still a God of forgiveness, a God of compassion, and a God of grace. As church, we need to rise up to be there for people when they make those wrong decisions and show them the love of God and nurse them through because the media won't tell a mother when they're forced to say that this is a, a better way. Just get rid of that child. Nobody will tell that mother of the years of anguish and depression that she'll face because she knew deep within her soul that she'd get rid of life. And can I say, if you're listening to this message or you're here in this house this morning, and that has been your story. God of grace, God of compassion, and God of love. Look at verse 18 with me. Verse 18 ends with this. It says this, He who fled to the, take hold of hope sets before us set before us, may greatly be encouraged. I'm going to read it again. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. I would pray this morning that when you leave this place that you will be greatly encouraged no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you're facing today or you know you're going to face tomorrow, I hope because you know you've got the hope of Christ Jesus living within you, that you'll leave this place once again refreshed and encouraged. I want you to lay hold upon Jesus. He's the answer to all our needs. Love verse 17. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of that was promised, he confirmed it by an oath. God wanted to make his purpose very clear. I just love our God. I love our God because you know something about our God and the gospel. Remember last week we looked and we talked about some other, you know, gods like Krishna and Buddha and how impersonal all these gods are to these people. Our God's not impersonal. Our God is up close and very personal. And our God communicates his heart to us. Our God does not want us ever to be left in a relationship where we do not know if you're loved or you're not loved. Have you ever been in that relationship with someone and you quite, quite can't work out they really love me or they don't love me? And how damaging that can be when you're not really sure of someone's intentions towards you or how somebody really feels for you. But you know, our God never leaves us in any doubt. He leaves us knowing that we can trust him because he's got love for us. He's made promises to us 
And he has an unchanging nature. And because of that nature, his love towards us will never change. And his promise and your situation today will not change. God will do his word in your life. Because he cannot lie. And he does not change. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope today. Hope's a funny wee word, isn't it? When it's taken out of scriptural context, because when we say hope, we're a wee bit like, oh, well, hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. And we know we live in the Northern Ireland, it's mostly going to rain. It's maybe, surely, it's a weak word, but when it comes to biblical understanding, hope is such a secure word. Hope is such an honoring word. Hope is something that we know is a positive word, and it will happen. Right down to our salvation. I know, forgive me, I know maybe I've said this to you before, but I remember when I pastored in Perth in Scotland, there was a lovely elder lady who lived right next door to us. I would go in sometimes to see her and have a wee cup of tea and we would chat about things of God. She was a Church of Scotland lady. I remember one time her saying to me, why do you know you're going to heaven? Why can you, you're so categorical about it. You know, you're so positive that you're actually going to go to heaven. And this wee woman had been Church of Scotland all her life, where we prayer book and, you know, when she would go to church every week. But she was saying to me, after sitting under that Church of Scotland ministry all of those years, but how can you know? I got the privilege of sharing this one wee scripture with her that tells us we can know. First John 5 and 13 I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. You see, God doesn't want us living there. Oh, does he love me? Does he not love me? Am I, am I going to heaven? Or oh, maybe today I'm not going to heaven. He's written these things that we may know that we have eternal life, that we can know that we have eternal life because there's a surety within our faith. He wants us to know the right way of doing it. He wants us to know the right path so that we can have no doubt about the fact that when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to heaven. And let me tell you this, friends, this morning. If there were ever days, and I'll come back to this, if there were ever days, we need to have our eyes on heaven and a hope for a future. It's in these days. Please hear me this morning. I'm not being disrespectful because this is what they are called. Probably today, if they were written, we would call it black music. But in those days, they were called Negro spiritual. And I'm not being disrespectful by saying that. But the old Negro spiritual songs always spoke about a better day, a brighter day, a clearer day of heaven when those poor, poor people were under so much oppression and they were beaten and they were downtrodden. They always looked for that brighter day of heaven. And you know, church, we need to keep our eyes focused. The world that we're navigating through today is a hard place, but we're looking for a brighter day and a better day. And we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, our great God. Look at verse 18 with me. It says here that there are two unchangeable things. God did so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, 
We have fled to take hold of the hope before us may be greatly encouraged. We can be encouraged today, church, because of these two unchangeable things. One is this, the promises of God and because God made an oath. The promises of God and because God made an oath. Apparently in the Bible, there are 7,000 promises. So I'm sure today for whatever you're going through, there's, I'm sure there's a promise for you. We know that there's a fear not for every single day of your year. 365 fear not, nots in the Bible. He's got it all covered. And we think of the fullness of all of those promises, but we think even just of a few ones that are mighty this morning, the promise of salvation for those who believe. And if you're with us this morning and you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. If you believe in your heart that he was risen from the dead, you shall be saved. And I would encourage you to put your trust in that. And it's not just those words of saying that, but what it basically means, if, if you're going to believe in him, what you'll do is you'll follow him and you'll do what he says. That's what it is to be a Christian, to actually do what he says and you follow him day in and day out. But we get that promise of salvation, saved by grace. A home in heaven and a friend in Jesus every single day of our lives. A promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. One of the biggest reasons why people lack hope is a sense of isolation. People are living with a sense of hopelessness today and it's because there's nobody in their lives to touch them. There's nobody in their lives to hold them. There's nobody there for them. There's nowhere to run when they need someone to be there for them. But for us believers, we have a great high priest who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And not only does he say that, he says, and especially because we're living in this portion of history and we know, friends, he will be with us to the end of the age. If my memory serves me right, this was about two Chinese missionaries. And they'd been sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they were hunted down and people brought them out to be executed because they were sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were stripped naked and they were paraded through the street. Somebody think you were being funny and mocking, shouted out to the man, where are you going? Suppose we would shout if somebody was all dressed up. Where are you going all dressed up? This man was shamed. He was naked. Where are you going? Do you know what this Christian servant's reply was? Knowing he was going to his death, he said, I'm going to heaven. And church, we have that confidence within us that we have a home in heaven, we have a saviour praying for us, that we have got someone who's got our back, someone who loves us. And let me tell you, that puts a difference on this life that we live, doesn't it? Puts a difference on how we look at this life and this life that we live. And there's no greater promise than that of eternal life. Church, this morning, can I ask you the question? What are you going through today? What's your circumstance today? What are you facing? Look to the promises of God. What's God saying about your circumstance? 
It might take you to dig deep. It might take you to spend some time in God's word, but that's all good. But ask God to show you an answer to your circumstance and what the word is for that circumstance and hold on to the promises of God in the midst of your battle. You can hold fast to the promise because here's why. Because this is the other thing within this. Two things that could not change. And here's the second thing. He took an oath. He took an oath about his promises. He took an oath to say he would not change and that he would not lie. Have you ever had to go to court? I had... No, sorry, I didn't do anything wrong. I was going as a witness. <laughs> Some of you are looking at me up to say I write. <laughs> and um, to be honest with you, I felt I was on trial. I was all suited and booted. And um, I went in and had to go up into this wee sort of witness stand. And I was asked about something that a young man who had, um, I would love him to come at some stage for us at this point, but he was a young man who unfortunately would drink in him when he was about 17 year old, got into a fight and a fight started and somebody pulled a knife, dropped the knife and to protect a friend, he lifted a knife and a young boy got murdered. And he went to prison, he admitted his fault and in prison he got saved, he got baptized in water and he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, we went in a couple of times to do some stuff with YWAM and we went and ministered to the prisoners. And although there was one night we were sitting in the room and they were about to do a drama and they put all the lights out. But just before they put the lights out, now we're sitting in a room full of people who had taken people's lives. And somebody said, kill the lights. <laughs> I'm a wrong thing to say in the wrong time. And please don't turn the lights out. <laughs> But by being there and getting to know this young fella, I got a, a letter from one of the chaplains and he said, would you please come? This young boy would love you to pastor him. And I would go in and he would open up his heart and I'd be able to minister him. And he said to me, Stephen, I did do it. I, yes, I was drunk. And he was basically being honest about his crime. And he wanted me then when this parole was coming up to go and talk and to say that he did it. He was repentant of what he had done and that he deserved the time that he spent in prison because of what he had done. But you will know from any courtroom drama that we're given a Bible. Now, for me, I believe let your yes be yes and your no be no, so therefore I didn't do the oath because I believe as a Christian our yes should be yes and our no should be no. But in most courtroom dramas, you see them given a Bible and they swear by Almighty God on the Bible, they will say the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And it's unfortunate even in those cases, there are many people that stand in our courts of law after saying what they say, but they have so little respect for God's word and for God himself that they lie through their teeth. But our God is a God of truth and justice. And if our God says he will not lie, he will not lie. If our God says, I am telling you the truth, I am telling you this as it is, he has not lied. He is unchangeable. 
where that is concerned. And he will not lie. Now, friends, early this morning as I was writing this up, I believe God said something in my spirit, and I believe that it is for somebody here this morning. I need you to listen to this. This is the truth of God's word. 1 John 1 and 9 is a promise. And it says, if you confess your sin, he is just and he will forgive you your sin and he will cleanse you from all righteousness. Okay? If you confess your sin, he is just and will forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all righteousness. Now, when the Lord said that to you, my friend, and you know who you are this morning, he meant that. He has not reneged on that. He hasn't gone back in his word. And you have confessed something to God, but you keep bringing it up again and again. And you're asking God to forgive you. And the Lord is saying to you in this day, you are forgiven. He has forgiven you. But you need to forgive yourself. He's forgiven your past. He's forgiven that sin. That's his truth. You confessed it. You're sorry about it. You've given it over to God. Now he's saying to you, be free. Live in the forgiveness that the Lord has for you in your life. Now let's go back to this verse 18 and let's look at the second half that we've already looked at a couple of times. And I hope you go away encouraged this morning in your soul. But it says here, we have fled to take hold of the hope set before us, maybe great that we may be greatly encouraged. You have grabbed hold of the hope. Now, what does that mean? Well, there's a significance to this rooted in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament altar, at each corner of the altar, there was four horns. Well, shapes of horns, not horns, but they were shaped like horns. And what it was said of the people, no matter who was pursuing them, no matter what they'd done, if somebody was coming after them, if they could get to the altar and hold on to the horns, nobody could touch them. Nobody could come near them. Nobody could reprimand them. Nobody could punish them if they could hold on to the horns of the altar. Can you see the picture this morning, church? The Lord saying this, hold on to me, I'm your hope. Doesn't matter who's pursuing you. Doesn't matter what's going on. If you can lay hold of the altar, if you can lay hold of Jesus, if you can lay hold of him as our hope, you'll get your encouragement. But oftentimes, remember we did this last Sunday, oftentimes, friends, when we're going through something, our focus is on the one thing instead of the one person. And because our focus is on that one problem, that one situation, everything else becomes a blur and we forget that Jesus is in everything. And he's omnipresent and he's there. Our focus needs to be on him instead of the problem. We need to lay hold of him who is our hope. And he will see us through. Hope such as nothing will separate us from the love of God. Yes, sometimes, friends, we have to live with the consequence of our sin. But never the eternal penalty of the sin. Because he paid it all. That's not great. It's not encouraging this morning. Look at verse 19. 
It says in verse 19 about how Jesus is the anchor of our soul. We have this hope as an anchor soul of the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Friends, sometimes our lives are in chaos. It's not right. We're living in a crazy, crazy world. And I prayed it as we opened our service this morning, but we have got one constant in our life. We have got this one constant in our life. No matter how crazy life gets, no matter how weird our world becomes, we have the constant. We have the anchor of our soul. Why did they use the analogy of an anchor? Well, one thing would be, it's not really found in the Old Testament, but it's found everywhere in the New Testament in the sense of the Hebrew people that were getting this letter, they used Greek coins. And on every coin, there was an anchor. So they knew the symbolism within the anchor. But what does an anchor do? It does two things for us. And here's the first one, church. The anchor will stop you from drifting. You need to keep a hold of the anchor. The anchor within our lives, because he is the one that will stop us from drifting. We need to lay hold of Christ. And not, friends, drift off in our emotions. Friends, there's one thing that I've learned over the last four years is this, not to trust my own emotions. Not to trust my my emotions, because, friends, I've learned this. If over the last four years I had gone with my emotions rather than what God was saying over my life, I wouldn't be serving God today. If I had listened to what people were saying over my life, I wouldn't be serving the Father today. I had to go with the Father's voice and not my emotions. During the period of time, you know, friends, sometimes we are depicted by people to be this and to be that, and sometimes we start to think in our own emotions, is that really me? But then we need to come to that place where we need to believe what the Father has ordained for us, what the Father says over us, and what the Father knows about us, and what the Father is creating us to become, not our emotions. Because if we were to go with our emotions, church, let me tell you this, every day would be a duvet day. Every day would be a duvet day. Friends, let's not in this time and day either be tricked into going with popular thought, following the herd. If you've ever gone, which is quite amusing actually, if you ever have traveled the road, most of you will go Belfast way to go to the, the airport, but where we live in Dromore, we often go the Moira way. And as you're coming back from the airport, there's a, there's a restaurant near where we are called the Tannery. And there's an end cottage wall and you'll see it on the road back from the airport. And there's a big cow on this, painted on the, the wall. And it's an advert for the Tannery. You know, they do great steaks and stuff like that. And it says, follow the herd and somebody's painting over the top of it and said become a vegan (laughs) okay i just like that that tickled me there you go nothing to do with the sermon this morning but there you go but here listen don't follow the herd don't be tempted to follow the herd in this day with popular demands of the fear to look different or the fear to speak up or the fear of persecution so much uncertainty in our world. So much 
is being said and forecast and then one minute they're saying this is going to happen and this will happen in the economy, that's going to happen in the world and this will happen. And the next minute it's all changed and it's all different. Sure, look at even food. You know, one minute we're told this is good for us and we should be eating plenty of it and then the next minute they're saying is don't eat that, that's not good for you. I'm still waiting for somebody to tell me to eat chocolate because <laughs> I think that must be good for you. But again, going back to what I said, he is our constant. And friends, we can put our trust in his word. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the fact of all the prophecies to do with Jesus' birth, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. And if we can believe all of those things and we know all of those things came true, let me tell you this this morning, we can believe that he's coming again. Because if he proved all of those things, he will prove that he's coming again. And if we can believe all these things about his birth, his death, his resurrection and his ascension, and that he's coming again, I think we can believe rightly in what he says. He always gets it right. He always gets it right because he's God and he speaks forth his word and we can put our trust in him, even friends, when it comes to the ethics of this world. When it comes down to the laws of God against the laws of man are the wishes of man. Don't do what the people of God did in the days of Judges. Judges 21 and 25 says this, In those days Israel had no king and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And it's sad to say we're seeing more and more so-called believers in this day, it's like we're making it up as we go along. It's this new thing and it's, oh, this right, that right, and the other right. Friends, the only rights we have, servants, blood-washed people of God, is the right to stand on God's written word. Do you know, friends, I would rather stick with God's word, even though I don't understand them all the time. And maybe there's some I think, I wish that wasn't there, but it is there and we have to stand on God's written word. I would rather go with the word of God than the instability of the judgment of man. Friends, as believers in this secular age, let me say this to you. If we drift from the truth of God's word, and it's a moment that... A moment like this, I wish I had my Bible instead of my iPad. But if we are to drift from this word of God, do you know what's going to happen, church? We're going to drift away from the way, the truth, and the life. We'll drift away from our Jesus. This, he is the word, he is the written word. And friends, we need to hold fast to God's word in our life. We don't get to tell the creator what to do. The creator speaks and we do as those that are called to be people who live under his lordship, we get to do what he commands. Are you with me church this morning? Because if we veer away from the word, we veer away from the love of our lives. Friends, very quickly, and I didn't even think I would have lasted this long this morning. Second reason about the anchor as he becomes our stability within the storm. You have an anchor so you don't drift. And you also have an anchor that when the storm hits, 
there is stability. Now this morning, you've either been in a storm, you're in a storm, or sad to tell you there's one on its way. Yeah? We've all been in a storm within our lives. And again, we have to live with a greater sense in these days, as I said earlier on, that there's a better time to come. Then in the storm and, you know, navigating these choppy waters at this time and the season of our lives, there's a better day to come. We've our hope of our Savior. We've our hope of eternal life. He is the anchor of our soul. But as we wait, we live in his promises to keep us through the storm. I love the picture of the disciples on, in that storm, running up and down, panicking. What are we going to do? Jesus is sleeping in the helm of the ship. And Lord, do you not care? Why was he sleeping? Because he's got it all in control. And as we go through the storms of this life, we need to keep that in our focus, no matter how rough it gets for us in life, that Jesus is on board. And he knows the right time to say, peace, be still. And the waves, even the waves, have to surrender. And I know we talked about those missionaries earlier on who went to their death. I know friends, even as believers, sometimes that martyrdom is called of us. But here's the thing, people. Man can take our bodies, but they can't touch our soul. Where's your soul anchored this morning? Where's your soul today? And why can we trust in him? Because the word tells us he has entered into the holies of holies. Remember, we looked at it last week. The temple is torn, or the, the, the curtain is torn, and he has gone into the holies of holies. And we know that we can find grace and mercy in our time of need. So church, I want you to be encouraged today. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what pressures of life we have, we have Jesus. Therefore, we have hope. We have an anchor for our soul. So keep holding on. As he holds on to you, hold on to his word and do what God requires of us. Don't really have a chance to do the last verse, Melchizedek, but one thing to say about that, it says in that last wee verse that the high priest is forever. In the Old Testament days, they had to keep changing them because they kept dying. Did you know that if a priest went into the holies of holies, they had to tie a rope on his leg and bells around his trousers? And you thought I had lovely flowers last night. I had no bells on me. Even though some of you were making an idiot of me, but there you are. <laughs> but they put bells on their trousers and they put a rope around their leg. Do you know why? Because if those men went into the presence of God and they were not right with God and the very holy presence of God, they died. And they would have been brought out. The bell, they couldn't hear the bells going. They knew they weren't throwing the blood about that they had died and they would have been brought out. Some of them died natural death. Some of them died through sickness and they had to be kept on being replaced. But what we learn about the order of Melchizedek is this, that our high priest, he reigns forever. Be encouraged this morning, church, because no matter what you're going through, our great high priest, as we learned last week, he's interceding before the Father for you. And there is great...